Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. Back in June of this year, I, I did a show in which I asked a fairly simple, fairly straightforward question. And the response was so impressive that I promised myself that day that I would come back to revisit that topic. And, well, today is that day. The question, what do you think is the biggest issue confronting youth and amateur sports today? Now, take a moment. Think about the various headlines that confront sports parents and coaches and educators in the year 2017. What do you think is the most pressing problem for for sports parents and the kids who play sports these days. And, of course, I'll take calls at our toll-free line at one 337 6666 That is brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Now, think about these issues. Is it the concern about concussions uh, in contact sports? Not just, obviously, football, but soccer, lacrosse, uh, you name it. Is it not knowing what's the right age to have your child begin to specialize in just one sport? What about travel teams? That is, is it important to have your kid compete on a travel team? And if so, at what age? Are you concerned about certain travel sports in which a travel program says a youngster has to choose between playing for their high school team or for their travel squad? In fact, what about the overall impact of travel teams? Do you feel they're replacing or supplanting traditional high school varsity sports? And what about the rising cost and expense of having your kid playing a travel team? Lots of recent articles say that travel teams have become the, dom- have become the domain of only the wealthy. Or perhaps it's the rising concern about so many kids becoming overweight or obese. Experts point to the staggering popularity of video games, e-games as they're known. Kids love them, can't seem to get enough of them. Obviously, sitting in front of a video screen doesn't do much for one's physical conditioning. And what about the rise in, in homeschooling athletes? I was just reading the other day where a family up in Rockland County a homeschooled their teenage tennis player. She traveled all over the country over the last two years playing at tournaments and ultimately earned a full scholarship to Rutgers. Is homeschooling, is that kind of approach going to become more and more the norm, especially for those sports which are really are focused more for the individual as opposed to team sports? Or maybe it's the increasingly common position that <laughs> that everyone gets a trophy just for signing up, or that student-athletes uh, get all sorts of second, third, and fourth chances uh, in our world of sports where they do something stupid. That is, there's less and less worry these days about kids and accountability. I mean, this is these are issues that we have to cope with all the time when we talk about our kids in sports. And, you know, these are complicated issues. And I'm asking you this morning, 
what do you think is, is the most pressing of all of these? For example, when do we expect our kids to finally come be more aware of the implications of social media and what that can do or how that can harm their, their image and their athletic career? Uh, and, of course, again, what was mentioned at the top of the, just a few, few minutes ago, are football, concussion sports, are they going to eventually fall by the wayside? Are we going to see a gradual, this gradual decline of uh, kids playing football? Is that going to continue? I mean, it's interesting. Okay, one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. There are a lot of topics. I just mentioned a few here to get the ball rolling. I'm curious to get your sense. And let's start this morning. Let's go to uh, Chris in Westchester. Chris, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, I I was talking about like high school sports and. Uh, the programs themselves that um, in Europe they don't have high school sports they have club sports right correct and you know one turns is and as you know as a taxpayer too and I'm an I'm an official um, the, the the budgets just keep rising and and even you know and a lot of it's for school school taxes is the major major problem well Chris that's that's an interesting observation first of all of course uh, mentioned you're you're uh, an official yourself when it comes to to sports. Uh, we already know that uh, it's more and more difficult every year to get more and more refs and umpires and officials because a lot of them just sort of say, I don't want to deal with the abuse that I get from uh, from parents or, or spectators or coaches. So it's always difficult to, to fill the rosters of officials. But beyond that, as you said, you know, in terms of uh, the taxpayers, maybe they're going to finally say, you know what, I don't see why we should spend so much of our money into uh, uh, taking care of sports programs at uh, local high schools, the kids are good athletes. Let them go play outside the school, just like they say that like in Europe. They don't have school teams in Europe. They have they all have club teams, which the parents support. So it is. It these are typical the kind of issues I was hoping you'd raise, Chris. What do you think about the mention about the officials and how it's hard to get these guys to, to to fill the rosters every year? Is that something you've seen? Yeah, we we're trying to get younger younger officials in, but it's hard. First of all, the pay is low, and like you said, the abuse is high. Um, and it's not only coming, you know, you, you touched on all the people that, that it comes from. It's coming from the players now, too, because they see the coaches and the parents being abusive to officials, and they think it's okay to do. Oh, well, I would think, uh, I mean, I would, I would like to think that if, if, if the officials – or refs or umpires are being verbally abused by a, a high school kid, they would just blow the whistle and say, time out, that's it, you know, I don't, I, that's not necessary. You either give them a warning, a strict warning, or say, you're gone. We don't, we don't, we don't tolerate that kind of nonsense. Uh, because once, you, once, those, once kids cross that line, and maybe they do that, for example, as you say, because they've been influenced by watching uh, parents or coaches be abusive towards the refs, that, that's, you're going too far. You, you, you can't let the kids run the program because they think that's the way it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't have the inmates run the asylum. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, but but these, are, these are good points, Chris, and I, I agree with you. Somewhere down the road, I think you're going to begin to see a tipping point where uh, more and more of the, the school districts are going to say, you know, our best athletes – are no longer playing on our school teams. They've opted out for travel programs. So let's just cut back and save a lot of money by not having to sponsor high school traditional sports. If the kids want to play sports, they can go play somewhere else uh, because, honestly, it's getting to be too too expensive. And, of course, we know that, um, that money is always a major concern, particularly with, with public schools. Chris, uh, thank, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 
Let me move on to, uh, let's go to Justin over in Nutley. Justin, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good. How are you, Justin? What, what do you think is the biggest problem in sports today? I mean, to be honest with you, the rising cost of college expenses is, I think, creating some of these delusions of grandeur from parents' end where they think that their kid's going to have to get a college scholarship or they're going to earn a college scholarship. So it affects it affects the way that these kids think from many different levels. And it just, and listen, I, I wish my daughters are in a college scholarship, but I think some of the parents maybe take it way too far because there's a lot of pressure to pay for it. So in terms of whether it be specializing or putting too much pressure on their kids or, you know, just, just the way that my father would have handled me back in the late 80s, it might be much different now because of the pressure. Listen, I can't pay for college, so you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. And maybe it's just taking the fun out of just being a kid and trying to grow up and play sports. There's a lot of different levels. I mean, I'm not going to waste a lot of your time, but I'm sure you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Just, it, it affects it on many different areas for the kids, for the parents, you know, putting, putting pressure on high school coaches, putting pressure on, you know, youth and travel coaches. There's a lot of pressure. And the end game is always that college scholarship where you, you know as well as I, the, the percentage that that kid's going to earn is very, very low. Justin, this is this is yeah, this has become a uh, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank you for the call. But this is obviously a topic we 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 discussed uh, over the years on this show. And yes, we're we're well aware. Uh, uh, if you have a youngster who plays sports and uh, you know down the road that uh, he or she wants to go to college, uh, as a sports parent, you're gonna fantasize about maybe my my kid will be that one that does get uh, some sort of uh, college scholarship. And that'll help defray some of the costs. But, you know, the reality is, and I always have to remind parents about this, that, uh, first of all, uh, with the exception primarily of football and basketball, uh, most of the athletic scholarships are sliced and diced in such a way that they're only going to cover uh, a portion uh, of a kid's uh, college tuition. And, uh, you know, understand, too, that, that the fact is that that the, the parents, you know, the question is, your kid may be a superstar within your region, uh, and a kid is really great within this particular county or section, whatever it might be, but you have to bear in mind that, you know, if your kid, it might say, say your kid's a terrific ice hockey player, and he's really a, a star, you know, in this area. Yeah, but kids play hockey all over the country now, not just uh, in the traditional hotbeds like like uh, Massachusetts or Minnesota or, or Michigan, or places like that, but they now play all over the country, out in California, Arizona. And the fact is, while your kid may be a real hot prospect in this area, he or she is competing against kids you know, all over the country and all over the world. So the, the odds of really getting a, a scholarship, man, oh, man, it's like you might as well play uh, you know, the lottery system uh, because the odds are about the same. It's, it's very, very difficult not only to get a scholarship, but certainly they get a full scholarship. It's just you're better off taking that extra money you have uh, instead of buying your kid, you know, more private tutoring or send them to a specialized camp or something. Put it into a 529 and let them and think about college because uh, and you're going to pay for it because that's the reality. It's as simple as that. All right, we're talking about this issue about what is the biggest problem today with youth sports. There are a lot of various facets to this, and I'm curious to get your thoughts at one eight seven seven three three seven. 6666. I'm going to take a break. Dave Uram has. Radio.com. Radio. 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 Rad
sportsedge.com. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. We're talking this morning about what do you feel is the most uh, pressing uh, topic, concern, issue when it comes to youth sports today and amateur sports as well. Uh, you know, a generation ago, it wasn't that complicated, but it sure is complicated these days, whether it has to do with the impact of travel teams, the expense of travel teams, when a kid should specialize in a sport, uh, what about uh, everything from concussions, and on and on it goes. And we're taking your calls at one 337 Let's go to our friend Ed over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. What do you think is the biggest problem? Okay, I got I got a few things. So uh, the biggest problem I feel are overbearing parents. Okay. And the, so- and the social media. And I'm going to show you something about uh, so- social media. Uh huh. I know someone who, who got got offered a uh, a baseball scholarship, and it was a pretty good package. So now he puts on social media at the school he's attending what his total package was. Yeah. Now you got jealous parents on that team who are all who are all upset on that because the, the college is also recruiting a couple of their players. <laughs> Instead of keeping it quiet like they should, they all of a sudden it opens up a can of worms on that. So again, social and then with the overbearing parents, uh, they they just they they need to have a reality check on certain things. I mean, they all want to be Division One, but it doesn't happen a lot of times. Of course, they should look look at the other levels on it. I mean, yesterday I'm working a hitting camp yesterday. Work with work with some kids, and it's not my camp. Where now, father's coming over every time his kid was in the cage. When he comes out, he's giving him instruction. Where if it was my camp, I had I had the parents in a certain area, and I tell them, don't even don't even leave there. Or I'm going to send your kid home. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just crazy with things. But getting back to the umpiring, I mean, all the officiating, why why that that's happened? You don't have enough officials who have the the guts to tell people to tone it down. I, for example, I, I'm, I'm a high school varsity umpire. This will be my 38th year coming up. And if I hear any crap out of the dugout, one of the things I say is this. I, I always know who the best player is. I go right over to the dugout and I say who the best player is. Here's the deal. The next guy that opens his mouth, you're getting thrown out. And guess what? <laughs> All the crap ends, Rick. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Ed, it's curious uh, you mentioned that because uh, people have told me in, in recent years that uh, be Particularly at the travel team level, it seems as though the officials, uh, the umps, whatever, they give a little more leeway to kids who, who pop off and, and say things they shouldn't say. And then when the kids go back and play at the high school level, where it's strictly law and order, they're stunned and amazed when if they say something or disagree with the, with the call and, and, the, and the umpire says, oh, that's it, you're gone, this is zero tolerance. The kids don't understand that, they, well, I could do this with my travel team. How come at the high school level I can't? Well, well, see, here's a big thing too, Rick. And again, I coach travel baseball myself. Okay. There's a lot of travel teams. I'm gonna I'm gonna make an honest statement on it. They're there for for the check. They let the kids play. The kids can do what they want. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've seen it when I coach. Where I know when I coach, my team's got discipline. I don't want them saying nothing to the umpire. I want them wearing the uniform the right way. I want them being on time. And you know, these are things that. Maybe maybe it, it doesn't show on the baseball, but when it gets to real life and, and they they oh, got to go to they got to go to work and they're not on time, and all of a sudden the, the boss docks and pay, they don't realize if you know what I mean. Well, it's it is real world stuff, and I can tell you that that uh, you know college coaches when they're recruiting, they're watching this to see how a kid deals with you know uh, some adversity and a bad call, and whether the kid 
grouses and puts Absolutely. on a show. I mean, they, that's something that, that I don't think the kids and their parents understand. And Ed, well, like, it, one more thing, Rick, and then I'll let you go. Yeah. They, not only that, college coaches are watching how the parents act mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. a game. You know, and, 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 they're, and they're always checking their Twitter accounts to see how, what type of stuff is on their Twitter accounts. Because if they see the Twitter accounts, they're, not, they're going to stop recruiting the kids. I can tell you as a college coach who recruited for many years at, at uh, you know, once you were, you looked and you saw a player to see how good he was, you also did your homework on the parents as well. Because you wanted to see what you were basically, because when you, when you recruit a kid, you're also recruiting the kid's mother and father, basically, to your program. So you want to you know, make sure, I don't want to deal with phone calls and emails from uh, mom and dad every night about their kids' playing time. And that's at the Absolutely. college level. So Absolutely. Ed, thanks so, for the call. Let me run off. Have a good day, Rick. You too. Take care. And, you know, Ed, Ed's in the middle of this, and uh, he sees what's going on, and he, his points are, are, are valid. I, I think it's uh, he makes excellent uh, contributions uh, to the show. Let's go to A.J. over down in Princeton, New Jersey. A.J., how are you? I agree, Rick. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. <clears throat> Rick, I've got more of a grassroots kind of an answer that I know you can relate to. Uh, but first, let me just say, uh, you know my feeling about cell phones. Of smartphones and, and and that whole thing. I think it's ruining society. And um, getting kind of my to my answer. Uh, by the time I was ten years old, I played baseball, football, hockey. Um, I took up golf. Uh, a couple of years later, I took up tennis. I mean, sports was such such a big part of my upbringing and just my my whole growth. I'm in my early 60s right now. Yep. This morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was out on my bike in the dark. I mean, I only do about a 10-minute sprint, but I do this in the morning before I go to work. It's a lifestyle, and I'm just so glad that it, it started at a young age. Uh, kids today just don't have that. I mean, we had neighborhoods where, where we had everybody kind of get together and play. You don't have that anymore. So it's a whole lifestyle thing. Sports are important, and you know the byproducts of competition, adversity, all those things you said. And, you know, again, I'm just, I guess it's one of those good things I did for myself early on, but I don't see a substitute for it. I'm a sports nut, I'm hooked on the thing. And kids today, they're hooked on something, something different, and, you know, again, they're going to become couch potatoes, and they're going to be fat, and, you know, what are you going to do when you're in your 50s and 60s? I heard, a, I heard an expression a couple of years ago, that, that stays with me, if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? Yeah. <laughs> you know? AJ, I know this is, it's a, it's a very, very, uh, very smart observation. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, when I, I'm growing up after I play high school and college and, and pro sports, you know, you still want to, it's your lifestyle. You get up, you want to go out and play touch football. You want to go out and play in a pickup basketball game, whatever it might be. Kids today, I'm not sure they do that. I, I think they sort of say, well, I've done my, I paid my dues with uh, sports, and now I'm done. Now I can just sit around and, and uh, sit in front of a computer or play fantasy uh, you know, sports, uh, watch other kids basically compete. I mean, it's just odd. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen a real dearth, for example, of, um, uh, of, uh, of uh, kids playing sports after uh, their their playing career is over, meaning that they don't go, for example, and play uh, semi-pro baseball anymore. Those leagues are pretty much just drying up. Um, I guess they're going to play softball or, or other things. We know that the the enrollment 
or interest in playing golf has dropped off considerably in recent years. I don't know where these guys go, but they aren't playing. It's not a lifestyle, as you say, for their entire lives. They're just sort of walking away from activities, physical activity, which gets into, and AJ, thank you for the call this morning. You know, it, it gets into the more of the sense of like, well, if you're going to be an athlete, you just don't stop when you're 15 or 20 or 25. You want to you keep that sense of being healthy for your entire life, doing things that are, are good for you. Let's, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Chris up in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Hey, Chris, you're on the fan. Hey there. How you doing? Yes, Chris. Uh, my comment, I'm a, I'm a teacher in uh, Westchester County, but I grew up on the, in the West Coast, and I played all sports starting in uh, junior high. Uh-huh. So I sampled every sport as a seventh grader in a junior high system on the West Coast, and no one was ahead of me. You know, I had a pretty even playing field. My own son played baseball, you know, in Little League and showed some promise, so he liked it. We put him into other, you know, off-season baseball, but by the time he was 12 years old, the pressure got to him because he was a high-performing player that was a specialist, and I think that's the thing that's wrong with youth sports. I think we need to, I mean, we can't reverse the system, but if I could reverse it, my advice would be that we go back more to the early 70s where you kind of you, you've just got together with your friends, played games, you know, of all types. Then when you or you did all your organized sports through your school system, and was in, you were introduced to them at that level. The kids now are so specialized. By the time they're ten years old, my son was interested in lacrosse. Too far behind. Yeah, that's start. That's one of those situations, Chris, where you know the the uh, the sense of of specialization at such an early age. Uh, I mean. A generation ago, there were a lot of kids, a lot of kids who were they were good athletes. They played three sports in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and now we see that that doesn't happen so much anymore, that the kid, as you said, the, the kids and the parents are led to believe that, well, you know, you're a good athlete and uh, I'm glad you played, uh, say, baseball uh, in your, in your, when you were younger, but now you want to switch from baseball to lacrosse and now you're 11 or 12 years old, which is still you know, very young. And you're told, well, you're already several years behind your peers who have played a lot of uh, travel across by the time they're 12, so you're never going to have a chance to catch up. I, I, first of all, I'm not sure that's really true, uh, but, but, you know, it's just, as you say, the specialization. Most of the top pro athletes I've spoken to over the years, they, didn't, they played a variety of sports growing up because they were good athletes. And they didn't really specialize until they were probably 14 or 15, which makes them freshmen or sophomores in high school. And even though they might have specialized in one sport uh, or had one sport that was their favorite, they still continued to play other sports in high school. So I, I, I hear you. I don't know how to stop that or prevent that because I think parents still believe or buy into this concept that, gee, if my kid's going to be good in one sport, let's have them play at one sport all year round because that will give them a leg up on their competitors. And I think that's just – that's just sort of robbing the kid of a chance to play other other activities when they're when they're young. Yeah, I, I think that's the the problem is that well, I observed this firsthand because my son had a friend who was a good hockey player. Yeah, and he wanted to come on and play as a ten year old. And believe it or not, this kid was not a bad athlete, but he couldn't keep the game straight because so many of these kids had already played since they were six altogether. So I think, you know, I noticed that kid, he came in and out of the team. He did play one season with us. But I have a, a two acquaintances who played collegiate um, 
and professional lacrosse. Yeah. And I asked one of them if my because he saw my son play and he goes, he's really fast. He'd be a great lacrosse player. And he's he goes, but if he doesn't start now, I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Uh, and I and I you know the pressure there because of the crossover in the seasons we never did it. And my son actually got very delusioned with sports because of the pressure he felt as a specialist. He was a base stealing specialist and a you know one of these kinds of kids in all-star games and the pressure kind of it soured him on the sport to be honest with you. Yeah. He got a bad coach at the end which was unfortunate because he had amazing coaches throughout our youth system here in Connecticut but uh, at the end he was uh, actually turned off by the pressure cooker of an all-star game where he was supposed to go in and like save the day and he just he got tired of it. And that was fine I guess because you're not going to push him any farther but well, that's a shame. It is a shame, Chris, uh, and I will tell you that that's another component that I think parents today don't really don't really understand or grasp, and that is the the inherent pressure that uh, their kids are going through at very very young ages. And, and Chris, thank you for the call this morning. Yep. You know the, the the sense is that when you when looking back, Chris was relating growing up in California, he played a variety of sports, and I can also relate to that as well. You know, there was no pressure when you were. 10 years old or 8 or 12 or even 13, the pressure began probably when you got into 8th uh, or ninth grade and you started saying, well, I want to be, I want to make a varsity team. That's pressure. But by the time you're 13 or 14, you have a pretty good sense of your own self-esteem and what you can and can't do on an athletic field. But the kids today at such a young age are being exposed to this kind of do or die, you got to make the team, you got to perform. That's not productive and kids eventually begin to sort of say well you know what maybe i'll just walk away from this uh because i don't like having to deal with the pressure of always having to perform at top level hey don't forget at uh, nine o'clock this morning it is football sunday Mark Melusis and Dave Deal will be here, and of course, we'll be telling you all their thoughts and comments, observations about uh, maybe it's week 13 in the National Football League. And as always, I invite you to check out uh, my website at askcoachwolf.com. Uh, by the way, just a reminder that if you'd like to have me come in to your town to, to talk about sports parenting issues, uh, the best way to do that is to find uh, the link on my website. And I will tell you, when I when I do a sports parenting presentation, uh, I, I focus directly on the specific or particular issues that your group or sports league is having. Uh, I don't do a standard uh, cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all kind of approach. Rather, I hold interactive sessions where parents, coaches uh, make their concerns known to me, and then we basically address those issues together. Again, just go to AskCoachWolf.com. We're discussing this morning about uh, what's the most pressing is pressing issue or development in youth or amateur sports today. There are a lot of them, and we're getting some great thoughts and comments from from the callers. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's go to uh, John in White Plains. John, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. Big fan. I got your book, Sports Parenting Edge. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for, for that, sure. John. I'll be uh, talking about that more in in the weeks to come. But thank you for uh, getting a copy of that. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll be quick. After having gone through it, you know, there's some things, you know, like heart can't be measured when kids are under 10. Uh, athleticism isn't on the same plane because others can mature faster. I think educating 
the parents is crucial, much like you're doing with your seminars there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to inform them of these shortfalls. You know, it's funny you mention that, John, because it's somehow, I mean, parents, I guess maybe they get so consumed or so obsessed with uh, making sure their kids are are, are, are making progress on on the athletic athletic, uh, ladder that they, they, they somehow forget when they were teenagers and, and that adolescence, you know, such a huge, huge impact that, as you said, if the kid has the passion when they're six or seven or eight and that passion stays with them, that even if they're smaller or they haven't grown yet, by the time they go through adolescence, they're going to change dramatically. So the question then becomes is they, they still want to keep playing, but, uh, you know, they can be shut down very quickly if that passion is diminished uh, by, by, by parents or youth programs that don't understand that it's a long-term kind of situation. You know, and I, I, uh, John, thank you for the call this morning. I, I think that's something that where I think moms and dads have to bear in mind that things change dramatically when a kid goes through puberty. And, and as I said, you know, I've seen this firsthand. We all have kids who are small suddenly grow six, seven inches. Some kids who are slow get fast. Some kids who are fast are just become average. It changes the whole landscape of sports, and it doesn't happen when they're 6 or 8 or 10. It happens when they're 12, 13, or 14. Let's move on. Let's go out to Pennsylvania to, uh, to Rich in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, talking about athletes who didn't specialize. Rich, good morning. Well, good morning, Rich. As we speak, I'm taking my son to baseball practice, uh, and we're going to see – I have two comments. A 5-year-old boy receiving personal private instructions hitting – now, I, you know, I, I doubt whether the kid actually said to his parents, I need private instruction. <laughs> and the parents sit there and they're spending $125 an hour for, the, for, you know, a coach to toss the ball in their hand and work with a swing and all this. That, to me, is, uh, is, is preposterous. Um, now, to, to, to move over to my son, my son, uh, you know, he was he's a travel baseball player on the small field for years. He's not a. He's not quite into the adolescent size yet. Mm-hmm. But he was removed from his team basically because he wasn't big enough, and the coach thought he couldn't produce on the big field. So we moved him to another team, and he's doing fine on the big field. But he's still a relatively smaller kid. But he, there are literally twelve-year-old boys at six foot one. You know, my kid's nowhere near that size. So I'm going to agree with you on that adolescent thing. That all these judgments are made on what a kid can or can't do. And when they move to the big field, it's for, it's it's unforgiving because you know your fly ball to left field is now a pop up to shortstop. Correct. Uh, and the, and the bases are much longer, and the pitchers are better in throwing curveballs. And you, there's a transition period there between you know twelve uh, year old and fifteen year old. And by the time I think when you're fifteen, then you kind of know what a kid can do on the big field. But th- it's it's they're making decisions now on size of the kids, strength of the kids. Well. And it's and it is about winning. It's not about developing, unfortunately, because well, they want I, trophies. You know, they want it, trophies. I, I can tell you, uh, Rich, that uh, I would say there's a huge drop off uh, of ball players, young ball players, when they when they migrate from the smaller field into the larger field. As you said, kids who have been pretty good ball players uh, at the smaller dimensions suddenly they, they what used to be a long fly ball to left field now, as you say, is a pop up to short. Right. Uh, and, and, and the reality is kids get frustrated and they don't know what their future is going to be. It seems like they've been betrayed by their parents. Like, well, I was just getting good when I was 11 or 12, and now you took me on this giant field, and now I can't <laughs> do anything. It's, and, you know, I'm listening to your story. I remember my son went through this, but, you know, my son, you know, eventually 
got to the point where, like most kids do, they grow and they get bigger yes. and stronger and faster. And after a while, the transition's made. But on the yes. other side of the coin, Rich, Jose Altuve. I mean, you know, Freddie Patek. Yeah. I mean, right. when these coaches evaluate players, I mean, Altuve was, I guess, 16 or 17. Uh, right. And he was a small guy, and, and the scouts told him, nah, you're too small, go away. And then he came back the next day and snuck into the triad, and they had different scouts there, and he put on quite a show. So we don't yeah, in now, baseball. And now he's the most valuable player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, oh, if I was going to start a franchise, I'd pick up Jose Otuve. Yeah, but here's, <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, he's too small to play. I mean, it's just, it's just bizarre. Um, that's why good coaches, guys who really take the time to evaluate and aren't superficial – realize that that kids you have to be able to project them uh not just where they are today but where they're going to be in five or ten years i mean you're everybody it's easy to scout on error and judge the kids six seven but i mean the smaller and most ball players are average size so i i just i i'm telling you it's it's you know when when pro scouts do their job they give a kid an evaluation as of today and what they're going to be what they project they're going to be in four or five years so again it's it's difficult uh, and unfortunately, parents and kids go through this, and you know it, it's it's not always the right way to do this because you're not getting a fair, fair, objective kind of evaluation, and that's a problem. And then I'm going to say one more thing: that nobody, no scout is going to watch a 13-year-old kid play because he's just not developed yet. He's adjusting to the big field, uh, and they don't want to look at anybody until he's kind of like 15 or 16. And then maybe he's hit the, the size and the strength that he can play with. So uh, I think we're being a little unfair to the kids by. By putting this pressure on them at 13, or they well, got to produce whatever size they are. As I said to the previous caller, the added pressure uh, that the parents or expectations the parents uh, unknowingly put on their kids is not fair. And your point, you know, scouts don't really pay attention to the kids until they're 15 or 16. It's simple as that because, honestly, um, you know, for one thing, the, 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 the kids are still small developing. They're going through a growth spurt, uh, and, and they're just it, – it's just it's – just, too many factors are involved before you can make a real, uh, real effective kind of evaluation. And that, that's, that's, I will tell you this, Rich, and thank you for the call this morning. You know, when you look at kids as, as, and you're trying to project them as athletes, you look to so that when they're 13 or 12, you're looking for athletic instincts, for the grace in which they go about their, their activities. Do they, are their motions fluid? Are, are they look like they're, they're, they have real athletic grace? That's what you're looking for because you figure as they get older, the skills will begin to develop. But if they're blessed with those kind of sort of uh, the smooth moves and, and, and actions, that's a pretty good indication. Uh, but it, you can't really make any evaluations when a kid is 10 or 12 or kids taking batting lessons when they're 5. I, yeah, that's, that's pretty young. All right. Well, we're having a fairly spirited conversation this morning about what are the most pressing uh, issues when it comes to uh, kids and youth sports and amateur sports uh, in this country. And, you know, you know, once upon a time, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, uh, all the issues that we talked about this morning, they, they weren't a problem. I mean, kids went out in the, the backyard, sandlots, uh, recess at school, and they played pickup games, and they played sports, and they played sports according to whatever season it might have been. Uh, and the fact is that the kids, 
you know, to them, the, the, the biggest accomplishment was to go and play for your, your local high school varsity team and get a varsity jacket and they get a varsity letter. That was a big, big deal. There were no travel teams. Yeah, kids knew about colleges and college scholarships, but that was you know, way off for in the, in the distance. Playing pro ball was really just something uh, you know, way, way beyond that. But, of course, that's all changed now. And maybe, as we said today, maybe some of the issues uh, and the phone calls have been great. You know, the issues about uh, paying for college, and college has gotten unbelievably expensive. And it, it, is, it, it is necessary to educate moms and dads uh, who may not be aware of the fact that there are very few athletic scholarships that are full rides. Uh, it's only for football and baseball, uh, basketball. Uh, and there are a few other exceptions to that, of course, but most of them are, are just partial scholarships. And the money you're, you're putting into your kid to play in travel teams and, and travel around the, you know, the, uh, the countryside to play, it may not be a, a good investment for them because, remember, every parent is sort of thinking the same thing about their kids. So it's unbelievably competitive. But you know, some of the issues that I'm looking at and focusing on personally, yeah, the concussion issue is a real concern. The football numbers, kids playing high school football, the numbers continue to go down as there is no cure at this juncture to, to prevent or uh, concussions from happening. There are no helmets. helmets there, there have been great improvements with helmets uh, to protect the heads, uh, to, or, but there's no way to prevent concussions. They still exist. And I, I do think that uh, that's going to be a problem, particularly as, as more and more kids specialize in sports. Uh, you're going to find more and more school districts begin to wonder that, well, Maybe we don't need to have a high school football team anymore. Kids are going to play on a travel football team. Or for that matter, we, don't, we should just follow a European uh, model and just eliminate all high school varsity sports. If a kid's a good athlete, let them go play for a travel team. We don't need to have high school sports anymore. We'll save a lot of money in terms of, uh, of getting rid of uh, coaching salaries and so on and so forth. I think that's a real concern that parents aren't aware of. Or you might see, as I said, a growing uh, increase in homeschooling. If kids are specializing in one sport, I don't have to go play for the, the high school team. Uh, social media continues to be a real problem. I don't understand why kids can't figure this out. Then when they tweet something stupid, it doesn't go away. It can really, really hurt them. And the other thing, as we know, with, with science research continues, I mean, I, I'm sure I read about this in places where we're seeing more and more uh, research into figuring out uh, kids uh, you know, what's going to be, according to their DNA, what's the best sport for them to play as they develop? I'm sure we're going to see more and more uh, exuberant sports parents try to figure out what's best for their, for their kids to uh, specialize in when they're just one or two years old. I think that's the future when it comes to sports and our kids. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's it for me. Uh- T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.